All right, guys, we're in Lesson 22. We're going to talk about the future restoration of Israel. That's Isaiah 58 through chapter 60, verse 22. And so we have about, let me look here. We have three more lessons after this, and then we'll be done. Because uh, we're getting into chapter 60. Isaiah does have several chapters in the 60s and uh, so we're going to talk about future restoration now again we've got a lot of, a lot to cover so we're not going to read the verses but I think you're going to be very interested in the first part we look at in Isaiah 58 especially uh, verses 1 to 14 he's going to give a call to obedience okay now let, let me ask you a question what do you think God is most concerned about with us Anybody? What do you think he wants from you and I, period? What does he want from us? If I were to ask you that question, what comes to your mind? All right, so Bruce says obedience. Anybody else got a different answer than that? Worship, okay, all right, that's good. Good, Tim, all right. Anybody else? Okay, love, which drives our obedience, okay. Anyone else? Put him first above everything else. That's good, Denny, okay. Now, everything you just shared are all connected. And we're going to see how they're all connected here in a moment when we look at this passage, okay. Because one of them emerges up at the forefront. So we'll talk about what that is here in a moment. So... First of all, when you start out in chapter 58, verses 1 to 3, you're going to see that the Lord tells the, the prophet to cry out about the people's transgressions. Now, transgressions are what? Sins. That's the stuff they're doing wrong. So they're to cry out about that, okay? The people presented themselves as wanting to know God, yet they sinned. All right, what, what, do you think, what do you think that means? They want to know God, yet they just keep on doing what they're doing. Okay, not putting him first. Does the fact that they would just keep on sinning, does that really reflect that they really want to know God? No, no, not at all. If they really wanted to know God, they would be what? trying to do the things that he's asked them to do, right? Okay, so, so he's saying, look, you want, you're, you're saying you want, to, you want to know the Lord, but yet you keep on living your life like you've been living it. So the people question why God did not take notice of their religious exercises. So this is, this is a normal thing, okay? We see this over in Malachi, you know, over in Malachi, I believe it is chapter 2, maybe chapter 3, the people are saying, God, we cry on your altar. Why don't you listen to us? Okay? And then he says, well, it's because you aren't doing right. And so he lists specifically what they weren't doing right in, in Malachi. So this is a common theme. So here they are. They're like, why isn't God taking notice of us? We're doing the right things. When they say the right things, that means they're doing the right religious activity. Now, is that an easy trap for even us to fall into? Yeah. Why? 
How can you enter into that mindset? I go to church. I give. I volunteer. You know what I'm saying? And God, why aren't you listening to me? You know? And that's the complaint that the people are making against God here. Well, here's how God responds to them. Okay? So he, he's noticing that they, quote, give this lip service to the Lord. We want to know you, but they keep doing their own thing. He, he's noticing that they're questioning why isn't, he, uh, why isn't he listening to them for all of their exercises. Listen how God responds. And so I'll get back to what I, I think is the most important thing, which ties in with all the other things that were shared. Okay, so here it is. The Lord points out that they exploited others as they conducted their rituals. So what, he, what he's saying here is, okay, so yeah, you're coming and you're, you're making your sacrifices. You're coming and you're coming to, to the temple regularly. You're, you're doing all the right stuff religiously. But the fact of the matter is, is you're still exploiting people. You're trying to get one over on people. You're trying to manipulate them so you benefit the most. That's what exploitation is, right? So you're doing all the right stuff religiously, but the fact of the matter is you're trying to cheat people out of their money so that you benefit. God takes notice of that, okay? Here it is. Their fasting did not change their hearts with regards to their relationships. So these folks even fasted. Fasting's not very big anymore, except most people will do it for health reasons. So like, you know, I had some blood work done within the last week, and of course I had to fast from my last meal until I went and got my blood work done. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, oh, better get some breakfast now. You know what I'm saying? Because, But that's really not a fast, right? Not in the terms of what the Old Testament talks about fasting, but the Jews did their fasting. And he's like, yeah, but it doesn't, didn't change their hearts. Fasting didn't change their hearts, especially in their relationships towards people. The Lord points out that fasting was to encourage them to do right by the poor. So here God is specifically pointing out why I'm telling you to fast. So you understand the poor, so you can do right by them. Isn't that interesting? God's wanted to use fasting as an object lesson for us. So if the people were truly righteous, here's what he's saying, if you were truly righteous, the Lord would bless them. So if you, if you were really righteous, God would bless you. If they were truly righteous, the Lord would respond to them. Okay? The Lord would respond to them. And we know that. What? Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not... Hear. God doesn't hear us if we're regarding iniquity. When, when we talk about regarding iniquity in our heart, that's talking about you planning to do wrong. Okay? You planning to sin. And, and so here he's saying, if you were truly righteous, the Lord would respond to you. He would do what you're wanting. If oppression and slander were removed from their lives, the Lord would bless them. So he's talking about, again, their actions. Oppressing people and then slandering people. Now, you think we suffer from the last one? S slander? 
You ever talk bad about somebody? That's slander, right? I think we'd all have to admit, yeah, we do that. And we do that quite often. We, we slander people all the time. Oh, I don't do that at all, George. Well, last time I heard you talk about this subject or that subject, yeah, we slander people all the time. And we don't even know who they are. We talk bad about them having never met them. And God doesn't like that. He's saying that if that was removed from our lives, he would what? He would bless. Okay? He would bless. So by honoring the Sabbath, they, they would find their delight in the Lord. So by making a focus on the Sabbath, now somebody says, well, that's the Sunday, right? No, Sabbath is the Saturday, but it's the one day a week that they set aside for God. They were told to set aside the Lord and not work. That's what the Jews were. Now, let's just kind of stop for a moment. Of all the commandments, which commandment is not emphasized very much in the New Testament? Anybody know? If you think about the Ten Commandments, which commandment is not emphasized in the New Testament for, the, for believers today? What's that? Yeah, the Sabbath is not emphasized at all. Keeping the Sabbath holy. Okay? But here, the Jews, were they to keep it? Yes, because that was a part of the covenant that they had for them. Now, before we get into chapter 59, so let me get back to you. So I asked you, what is God most interested in? Obedience. Now, that, but that ties in with what everybody else says. You can't truly worship him unless you are obedient. You can't truly love him unless you are obedient. How do we know that? Jesus is going to say, if you, you love me, keep my commandments. Love is expressed by doing what you're supposed to do. Did you understand? Worship comes from being obedient to him. So you really see a lot of emphasis there on uh, the reality of obedience being the foundation, doing what God tells you to do. Because when you choose not to do what God tells you to do, th there's a title for that. What is it? Sin. Did you understand? Not doing what God tells you to do and not being obedient is sin. So therefore, if you're, if you're sinning, will he bless you? No. Okay? So he's trying to communicate that to Israel. I guess there's some lessons there for us in that, right? So then they weren't following the Sabbath. Yeah, they're not honoring the Sabbath, but here's here's the crazy thing, Bruce. They were not honoring the Sabbath, but I'll go make my sacrifice. I'll give lip service to what I need to do in the temple. You know, so they're going through the rituals, but their hearts weren't changed. Okay, so stop for a moment. You guys have been around a long time. You've been in church a long time. Is it possible to come to church and do the church thing and be, have a rotten, wicked heart? Is it possible to come to church and sit through the service and sing the songs even listen to a message, but while you're here, you're already planning the stupid stuff you're going to do later on. 
Yeah, I've done that. Sitting in the pew and thinking about, where, where are we doing lunch? Do you know what I'm saying? What's the afternoon plans going to be? And what is, so is your heart in the service? Is your heart in the devotion and worship of God at that moment? No. But you're going through the what? The motions. See, God, God's not interested in motions. And then it's like, well, why doesn't he answer me? Why is it, I, I've been doing all the right things. Yeah, but your heart's not in it. But yeah, they didn't keep the Sabbath though. Did you understand? So why, 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 not, why not keep the Sabbath? Well, because they're into exploitation, which means they want to what? Gain. What do you mean I can't work on that day? If I work, I get a little bit of extra. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, Mike. Yes, it does say to seek first, and all these things will be added unto you. But when I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, the implication there is, is that God is going to reveal to me things that I need to be taken care of in my life. So if I come to the Lord, okay, if I'm seeking after him, yeah, I feel better being able to walk around. We're not videoing this, so this is good. So when I'm seeking after him, A lot of times when I go to him, I'm very much made aware of something that needs to change in my life. Why? Because being in the presence of God exposes me. And so seeking him would also be responding to him. Like if his spirit says to you, hey, you need to take care of this aspect of your life. So then you're faced with the question, am I going to do what God wants me to do? Or I'm going to do my own thing. So if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, I'm going to deal with the issue in my life. It's, it's What you're expressing there with that verse is the attitude that drives you to put God first, not yourself. And we see that, like for instance, Jesus in the garden. Jesus in the garden. Father, if this cup could pass from me, let it. But nevertheless, not my will, but what? Your will be done. The human part of Jesus says, I don't want to go through this. Who wants to be brutalized and be hung on a cross and so forth? Nobody wants to go through that, right? But Jesus says, not my will, but your will. What? He's seeking first the kingdom of God, obedience. Okay? So I think they're connected. They're not, they're not, they're not contradictory. It just reveals the motive for the obedience. Okay, because here's the thing. Let's, let's talk about the motive. Can you be obedient and your heart not be in it? Can you do the right thing and still not, like, worship God? Yeah, you know, I was interested. So we did this, you know, we did that study, the gentle and lowly study. And I was going through one of the chapters this week, and, and I was struck by a statement he made, and that is, the immoral are morally are the, the immoral are reprehensible to God, but the moral are reprehensible to God as well. Meaning, so it's natural for us to think that the immoral person is disgusting to God. Well, God's just as much disgusted as the moral person. 
How? Because you can be moral and do all the right things, but your heart not be what? Right. Not seeking after God. You know, so, so the reality is, is what is God interested in? He's not interested in our, quote, morality, so to speak, but he's interested in our heart towards him. Because out of that then, that's the attitude, seeking first the kingdom of God. Out of that comes the obedience. So I would say, like, what you're sharing, Mike, is actually a precursor towards the obedience issue. But it's then out of the obedience issue that I express my love. It's out of the obedience that I express my worship. It's out of the obedience that I do all these other things. Do you understand? They kind of are connected. Anybody confused? Look like you are. Okay, coffee's in the back. All right. So let's go on. He's going to talk now about the Lord, the provision for salvation. Chapter 59, verses 1 to 21. Here's the provision for salvation. The Lord proclaims that he is not weak and deaf, then he cannot save them. So the first thing he's going to point out to them, because their problem, here, the context is, is that this is a people who's in oppression. We're doing all the right things. God, you're not listening to us. But he's saying to you, I would bless you, but you're not doing the right thing. So now we get to 59. He says, look, I'm not weak that I can't handle your problem. I think sometimes we need to realize that, right? God's not weak that he can't handle the crisis that you're in, okay? He can't save us. So Israel's sins have separated her from the Lord God. So he's saying, I'm not weak, but you know what the problem is? There's this big divide between us. There's this big mountain in between us. There's this ice in between us, and it's your sin that has separated us, okay? So... Because of their sins, the Lord chose not to hear them. He chose not to hear them. I mean, could he hear them? Yeah. But, is he, but he's choosing not to hear them. It's kind of like, hey, unless you deal with this, I ain't got time. Don't, don't come crying to me. I've got no time. You, you know what you got to deal with. We do that kind of stuff, right? Like, I already, we already talked about this. You know what the issue is? Unless you deal with this, then we'll talk about it, okay? Their sins included not seeking justice, but rather planning evil. Now, okay, I don't want you to think in terms of justice, in terms of like, that's a buzzword today in our political culture about what justice is, and justice is for the oppressed and everything. Yeah, that's a component of it, but the statement here is actually a little bit more broader. Justice is doing right by people, period. Not any specific group or whatever. It's that they were more not interested, they were just interested in doing their thing, doing evil, rather than putting other people first and doing right by all people, whether it was the poor or even someone else that they were exploiting. Do you understand? So, just as cobwebs are not clothing, their works of iniquity can't cover them. By the way, how many of you view cobwebs as clothing? You get the dust bunny out and what? Take care of it, right? He's basically saying that, you know, basically, 
you can't cover your iniquity. You, you trying to cover your iniquity is like walking around with, hey, check out my new cobweb shirt. You know, you know what I'm saying? That just doesn't work. Okay? So they actively sought to do evil and face destruction. So they were actively choosing to do what's wrong. They were actively choosing to do what's wrong. And so they faced destruction, period. Their sins resulted in a lack of peace and justice. It's, it's the result of their sin. It's the result of their sin. Israel proclaims that justice and righteousness are far from her. So here's what Israel says. Oh, justice and righteousness, they just seem to be so far away. Why isn't it here? Well, it's because of your actions, okay? It's because of your actions. Rather than light, Israel experiences only darkness. Well, it's because of their choice. Now, would everybody recognize what they're going through is because of their what? Their choices, right? Their sins. They chose that path. But you notice their reaction? It's just like human reactions today. Why isn't God keeping them from that? And I always think it's interesting when people say that kind of thing because I find it interesting. It's like, okay, wait a minute, hold on. Let me, let me get this right. You don't want God involved in any part of your life. You just want to do your own thing. And there you go, off doing your own thing. God, I don't need you. I'm out of here. And then when the world crumbles around you because you're doing your own thing and you're facing all the consequences of that, now you're mad at God because he didn't keep you from having the consequences. He didn't keep you from having all the problems because you decided you didn't want him. That's what Israel's doing. They still do it to this day, right? Mad at God when, wait a minute, you didn't even want God. You didn't care. You did your own thing. So the Lord proclaims that he is the only one who can bring salvation to Israel. You know what? We've been uh, praying for, hopefully you have, the peace of Jerusalem for years, decades, centuries. You know what? The only one who can bring them salvation is Jesus, period. The Lord. The Lord is the only one. He says, I'm the only one that can bring peace to Jerusalem, peace to the crisis in the Middle East. The Lord. But they're, what, I, you know what, I've, I'm 56. I can't remember a time when they weren't seeking a peace treaty in the Middle East. Can any of you? If you were before 1948, 1948 is when they became a nation. Maybe you can remember that, but there's a very few of us here that can it, it, they're constantly seeking a peace treaty and trying to find somebody to, to guide us out of this mess. And God says, I'm the only one who can do it. I'm the only one. So the Lord will go forth and fight for his people, Israel. So even here, remember I told you replacement theology says that you know God is done with Israel and they've disqualified themselves and so now God's turned to the church, okay? Well, here's the problem. That's kind of hard when you look in prophecies like Isaiah and God is saying, I'm going to fight for Israel. I'm their only hope. 
Even though they're doing all this wrong stuff, I'm still their only hope. I'm going to fight for, for my people, for Israel. So the Lord proclaims that the Redeemer will come to Zion. The Redeemer, the Messiah. Okay? And who's that, folks? Jesus, yes. Come to Zion. The Lord will establish a covenant with them and will pour out his spirit on them. So this is talking about in the future. He's going to establish and renew a covenant with them, okay? The Lord will put his word in their mouths and they will stay with them forever. So God will put his word into their mouths, so into the essence of who they are, and his word will stay with them forever. Israel is called to shine forth as a light because his light has come. So the purpose then for Israel is to reflect the light of Christ in their life, in their nation, to the world. That obviously isn't happening right now, right? Not at all. The world is covered by darkness, but Israel will be a light to it. That's the whole purpose of Israel, is to be a light. Now, they're not fulfilling that role right now, are they? No. So the nations of the world will be attracted to the light of Israel. So when they become who they really are supposed to be, when the Messiah is there, then they become the attraction to the world of what the world wants. Israel's sons will be regathered from far distances. And that's, you know, that process is still even taking place, but it will ultimately take place when the Lord comes. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to Israel for the worship of the Lord. The wealth of the Gentiles. What is that? That's the best of the Gentiles. will bring their best to Israel in worship of the Lord as an offering. As an offering. Gentiles and their kings will aid Israel in rebuilding Jerusalem. Okay? This is all the future. This is that time of restoration. What we would call the millennium. Okay? This is an evidence of God's favor in contrast to his prior wrath. So what, what's it saying here? So remember, he's upset with them. They're going through destruction. Jerusalem is being destroyed because of their sin. But in contrast to that is what? The future, the hope that they have that he's going to restore everything. And that's in contrast to what they're going through right now. So here's the lesson. Okay, here's the lesson with that. When you're doing wrong, and this is even true for you and I as believers, we face consequences. We even face the discipline of God in our life. But when we turn back to him and away from our sin, he blesses us. Did you understand? He turns his attention back to us. We regain his favor. Now, when I say favor, forget what the guy on TV says, that your bank account's going to grow and you're going to have many more years to live and you're never going to get sick again, blah, blah, blah. That is not what he's talking about. But the favor of God will be with you. God's hand will be upon you. Doesn't mean life will be easy, but God will be with you. Any nation that tries to rise up against Israel will be struck by the Lord. So again, this is in the future. Any nation that tries to rise up against Israel, they're going to be struck by, by the Lord. 
Those who formerly despised Israel will acknowledge her as belonging to the Lord. So the enemies in the past who said Israel didn't belong there or, or whatever, they're going to have to acknowledge when the Messiah comes what? Yeah, this is where they're supposed to be. Okay? This is who they are. Once Israel was forsaken, but she shall come to become a joy to future generations. So at one point she was forsaken, the land was desolate, the cities were desolate, but in the future she will be a joy to future generations. Israel will be sustained by the nations, which causes her to acknowledge the Lord. So because the nations are going to sustain her now, Israel will now, what, acknowledge God for who he really is. Talks about the difference in relationship there. Israel will receive enormous wealth. All right, now we've had a couple of verses, we've had a couple of statements now that reflect God's blessing in this way. Why do you think this means something to them, that they're going to have enormous wealth? Why, why do you think... Why do you think that would be a meaningful statement to them? What's going on here? Why would God make the point of telling them, hey, you're going to have enormous wealth? That's exactly right, Tim. Right now they don't. They're in, right now they're in desolation. Right now they're wondering if they even have clothes on their back or food for their mouths, you know what I'm saying? And, and the promise is when, when I come, everything's going to be made right. You're going to know who I am, and you will have an abundance. You'll be taken care of, okay? And you'll be taken care of. Is that kind of a promise? Do we, do we have any kind of hope in that, you and I? I mean, we're talking about Israel here, but what about you and I? Go ahead, Tim. Okay. That's our hope. Yeah, okay, so right now times are tough, right? Right now you might be in a situation where you wish you had something. And, and you're like, oh, we're just making it. And guess what? This week your engine goes out on your car. Where are we going to get money for that? Or this happens, or this medical bill happens, or... You know, you, go do, you find out that the insurance doesn't cover this, and so now you've got this big bill from the hospital and, and all these things, and it's like, oh, my goodness, when is it going to end? The promise is, is in the future, we're not going to have to worry about that anymore. You'll be okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? You'll be okay. You hear people talk about cashless societies. You know, I hear that sometimes. I hear that in election years. You know, some guy says, we're going to have everybody being paid the same, blah, 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 and, and all that. You know, and I look at that, and I'm thinking, yeah, that ain't going to happen here. But one day, there is going to be a cashless society. But it's when Jesus comes back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we're all going to be wealthy. But it's not going to mean anything. It's like one guy I read that says, Think about it. The asphalt of heaven is gold. That's the asphalt. And he said, so basically what we've put value in has no value there. And I'm thinking, yeah, that is so true. Because in heaven, it won't really matter, will it? It won't really matter. All right, let's go on here. Israel will be, be marked by a time of peace and righteousness. And that is not happening right now. 
Okay? That is not happening right now. Hey, by the way, can I, can I explain something to you? When you go to Israel right now, there is a segment of their community that is Orthodox. They're very devout in their faith in Judaism. There's also a very large segment of the Israel population right now that is secular. They don't believe anything. They're just Jew by ethnicity, by nationality. But they don't believe a large segment. There's probably more of them than the Orthodox. So, but in the future, it'll be marked by a time of peace. We understand that their need for peace, but also righteousness. What kind of righteousness? Righteousness in their standing before the Lord. And then Israel will inherit the land. What land? Well, originally when it was promised to Abraham, it was from the river, the Nile, up to the river Euphrates. Has Israel ever had that land? Maybe a portion of it, but not all of it, right? They'll inherit the land. Her people will be righteous and numerous. So they'll be described as righteous and numerous. All right, any questions? Any questions? So on one hand, he's contrasting. Right now, you guys are going through the motions. I'm not listening to you. I know that, but here, even in spite of that, here's what's coming in the future. So there's still hope. He's disappointed with the stuff that happens in our lives, and that affects our relationship as it affected Israel's relationship with him. But he doesn't turn his eyes completely away, does he? No. Now, 